0: Okay, so I have not edited take two yet. If we talk about something, if we reference like, hey, we talked about this in take two. Again, uh, maybe, we, maybe we didn't.
1: I honestly don't remember what we said in <laughs> take, take two. <laughs> so... <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one.
0: This might be the biggest movie we ever do on this podcast. Until next week, (laughs) when we inevitably talk about its sequel. Obviously, we're talking about Avengers Infinity War. It made just over $2 billion at the box office, came out in April of 2018. And it is basically putting a cap on about 19 or 20 movies in a franchise or at least part one of putting a cap on this
1: they have it's a big deal and i if you've listened to the past episodes you'll know that i don't i don't like to lump i mean they are superhero movies but like it's not typically my genre like i will not reach for an action movie first in in a list of movies but i've seen all of them i like and dislike different ones but i think much like the halloween episode maybe this is one that you might have a little bit more input on than I would. Yeah. I
0: don't feel like I'm going to need to do much research, but I feel like it's already done. <laughs> I feel
1: like you're, you are always talking about these movies. You're always talking about directors and producers and you, I feel like you're always throwing names at me and I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to connect all of them. And uh...
0: it's probably the thing that I have been able to be the most obsessed with like it's a it's one of those things like I used to be really obsessed with Saul but that's sort of dead and gone now you know what I mean at least I wish it would stay dead and gone you know like it's it's something where it's an obsession that I'm consistently able to feed my obsession you know because Marvel Puts out three movies a year now. So it's, and it's cool now to be into these movies. It's not like, oh, you're a weirdo, you're stupid, you're whatever. I mean, these are like the big
1: deal, you know? You hit the nail on the head when you said that it's really changing the industry. I think it's, it's like we've never had anything like this before. And at this point, it's almost like a TV show with, you know, two, two and a half hour. Episodes yeah. like there are so many now. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's it's interesting and cool. I'm really excited for Endgame. It'll be interesting to see how they conclude this, how they fix things. yes yeah. I've seen Infinity War and I enjoyed it, and I'm excited to rewatch it for this episode. I'm I'm super
0: stoked too. It's it's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top five. It was a movie that had an impossible task of fitting all my favorite characters in a movie and making it like coherent and still good. To me, it's just, it's just like a dream come true. It's why people have such an affinity for the first Avengers when it's like people that grew up with these characters finally being able to witness them on the big screen for the first time all together. And for me, it was like, I grew up with these characters in the movies and now being able to witness them all together, you know? Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, it's really I thought it was really really cool to see the different groups that break off and the different relationships that form between the yeah. characters. It's super fun and interesting and I it's, it's really a fascinating series, I think. Joe and Anthony Russo had an impossible task and they made it even more
0: impossible when they did what they did at the end of this film. But I am so excited (laughs) to rewatch this movie. It was going to, it was like, it was like, I'm going to have to rewatch it anyway before end game. So I was like, let's do a podcast episode. I'm sure other people are going to try to rewatch it as
1: well. So let's talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Day two. So it looks like it's just me for now. I think Nick is currently recovering. I'm upset. This is your 16th 17th time seeing this now. Yeah.
0: And I know I said in I think I said it in the Logan episode that the ending of Logan hurt more, but I think it's just like what whichever one I've seen most recently cuz ah <laughs> oh, man, like I know that it doesn't last, like it can't last,
1: but it sucks. I think this is definitely temporary. Like it has to be.
0: And you said you, as I'm crying, walking out of the theater when we first saw this, you said that you were like, "It's temporary. But They're not going to kill off Black Panther." Like
1: they, like they can't. They can't. I was and, so upset
0: about Black Panther,
1: but I definitely think we are going to have some permanent losses with Endgame. I, I, I truly think we're going to lose some big characters.
0: Yeah. I I believe it too. And it almost feels like, you know, all the original Avengers survived the snap, So it's like,
1: it almost seems like they're all teed up to go out.
0: But if they, if they got rid of even half of them, I just, I don't know. I like Marvel's been so reluctant to kill anybody off that like, I just don't even believe they will. So when they finally do, it's sort of surprising. You know what I mean? Like it's to the point where I can't even really process that they will or not. Like, Clearly, this movie is called Endgame. Like, there's going to be a definitive end to this storyline. And they're obviously, I mean, this is the highest grossing franchise. So they're going to continue it and make more movies with characters that are obviously slated to make new movies. And, but this is hard to process that there will be some death. Yeah. And then it's probably the ones who've completed their trilogies.
1: Yeah. So who would that be? Iron Man, Thor.
0: Yeah, Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America.
1: I always forget that Civil War is a Captain America movie. Yeah, yeah. Not an Avengers movie.
0: The Russo brothers who directed this movie and they direct Endgame, they started on Captain America Winter Soldier and then directed Captain America Civil War, which is Captain America 2 and 3. They totally lay the groundwork to set this movie up in those, even though those movies were made, you know, years ago. Like there were things that are like so perfectly set up, like the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't really in effect anymore. So the people that would be aware of this kind of thing aren't there And then in Civil War, the Avengers are completely fractured and split all over the place. So they're not like a united front to stop Thanos. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're. Yeah, yeah. It it felt like their first two movies were like breaking them apart and messing everything up. And we didn't even really realize just how bad it was until they were faced with this. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, they're screwed.
1: Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, they're kind of, like, everyone's kind of caught off guard and then suddenly scrambling to take action. A a lot of people that argue that maybe this
0: isn't, like, the greatest movie say things like, oh, it's just sort of like an event. It's not really a movie. There's not, like, a beginning, middle, and an end. It's just sort of like this thing happens and then, like, you just sort of have to, to watch it unfold.
1: Yeah, I would think to finish a chapter of... A franchise this large I think that this movie is only one half of a whole and I think it will be complete I think we'll get a bigger story with definitely game well they made a
0: weird decision a while back uh, they said that Avengers this third one would be a two-parter that it that Infinity War would be Infinity War part one and Infinity War part two and it makes sense that they sort of were like oh no wait no we we changed that because if it's Infinity War part one and Infinity War part two that sort of leaves you thinking like oh okay they must not resolve it in part one it must resolve in part two. True yeah. When they stepped back from that I was like well either they're doing two things either they're realizing that people would catch on to that and they're hiding the fact that this movie does end on a cliffhanger or that really is not how it feels and that Infinity War and Endgame are two separate movies. To me, I'm thinking it's sort of both. From the one trailer I've seen, because I spoke about this on the Facebook page, but I've other than the first like teaser trailer, I've stayed away completely from all trailers or anything. I've tried I normally would be all over it, but I've tried to stay away from it as much as I possibly could. Now, but from what I did see, it it does feel like a very different movie. Not necessarily like a continuation, but I also think that that could be just a misleading ad campaign.
1: I don't. I don't know. I feel like you have this cataclysmic event that leaves so many people hanging. Yeah, I
0: mean, sure, it will be. It will be definitely about fixing that. Yeah. Yes, but like, I, to me, it almost feels like it's it's gonna it's gonna inherently be more personal, just the fact that like, they've cut all the characters down so much that it really, I mean, you have a couple of extras, but it it really is just that core six. So Hmm. well, okay. This, this is really an in-game theory discussion now, but obviously you know how I feel like, how do you feel about this movie?
1: I think it was good. I think rewatching this again, I hadn't watched this since I've seen it in theaters when it first came out. But I I think superhero movies are not really my genre. Sometimes, I'm not saying this about all of them, but sometimes they can come off very formulaic at times. Um, And I feel like this sort of four quadrant, which means it appeals to young male, female, old young male and female, right? Yeah. It's sort of like an all-encompassing. I think it tries to incorporate like humor in a very strange way that kind of sometimes comes off as cheesy to me. But I am like I'm invested now and I feel like it's like I need to know how this ends.
0: Yeah, I definitely understand that. Like this is not a franchise for everyone, but I think anybody would be hard pressed having seen all of these movies to not just be like, well, I got to see the next one. Half of them died, you know, (laughs) like I got to see it. Yeah, that's my boat. Exactly. This did a good job of
1: like hooking people on. Oh, sure. There's no question about that. I think that was it was a super, super successful movie. I have three problems with it though. Three. Allow me to solve your problems. Number one. Okay. Is this movie the first time that we see Gamora and Thanos together? Together, yes. Okay. We know
0: we learn about the fact that they are related obviously earlier but but like in the first guardians of the galaxy but no we've never seen them together
1: we are given maybe like a three minute segment of thanos giving her a weapon and kind of like like bringing her into like his his arms and being like this is all good like you're a strong warrior but then we're led to believe that him pushing her off this cliff is like the biggest sacrifice he will ever make in his entire life. I feel like that relationship wasn't built very well.
0: I don't know that that was the fault of this movie. I think it was the fault of other movies, maybe like the Guardians movies. I mean, I can understand that like, they obviously didn't have much time to flesh it out. You can tell he loves her. You can tell that he, like, even when he said, when he's talking about how he's like, you're strong, that's me. You're generous, that's me. But I never but taught you to lie. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, that's why you're so bad at it. Like, he is a father to her. And the Guardians movies do explain that in a contrast with um, Nebula. Right. Because you see how terrible of a father he was to Nebula. Mm-hmm. Thanos apparently has lots of you know, random children that he is, he is taken from all over the place, but seems to really only give a damn about Gamora.
1: Yeah. Question number two, are we supposed to believe that this vast universe is struggling enough to where Thanos is like, I need to, I need to wipe out half of the universe. Uh,
0: Okay. So in, in the comic book, like Thanos is doing all of this to impress this entity known as death like lady death or i'm not exactly i don't remember exactly what they call her but he's trying to impress a girl mm-hmm. right to, and he does all this it seems more like utilitarian now but i think at the end of the day like Thanos is still a little off like he's still killing like he is still a murderer he is still crazy to a point i mean they call him the mad titan like he still does like he still killed everyone on uh net of, this is a hard word to a hard one to say Ned de Valier uh the the star planet with um the with Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh he still killed all those dwarfs. like it's not like he doesn't just kill out of necessity it's still sort of but I think he just had such a traumatic experience on his own planet and he noticed that like clearly the universe is growing out of control and the resources aren't growing we're just taking them up you know and it, it's i remember people like people turn from saying oh killmonger was right like killmonger wasn't doing anything wrong in in black panther to saying Thanos wasn't doing anything wrong either it's like okay well they're both murderers but like they have their ideologies are kind of agreeable and that's what makes such great villains. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but no, I, I understand that like, like Thanos, like the farthest reaches of the universe. I don't know that Thanos necessarily cared as far. Far out. I think he just wanted to the ideal of being able to sort of like doing it because he can dispassionately help everyone. Yeah. You know, these people would cease to exist. I call that mercy. You know what I mean? Like it would imagine that he has a sort of
1: God complex. Oh, well, yeah, which
0: sort of plays into the thing that Loki says where he's like, you'll never
1: be a God. Yeah. What's the third question? This is like the biggest one. And I don't know why this isn't more popular among the memes and stuff, um, it's it's like the biggest plot hole. I don't understand it. What the hell happened to um, Elizabeth Olsen's accent? <laughs> it is it is a it is a plot hole. It is a
0: meme. It's like the same thing that happened to Storm's accent, to Halle Berry's accent in in X Men. I guess it just doesn't play. I think I think. It's sad, but I got to say, like, she wasn't great at it. Like, it was never a great accent. And it also also left – it didn't leave in this movie. It left in Civil War. I was going
1: to say, I feel like every time we've seen her on the big screen, she loses a little bit more of it. By now, I just
0: forget about it because her and Vision are just, like, two of my favorite characters in the whole thing. Yeah. I love them so
1: much. They're so great in this movie. I think it was the Logan episode, um – I think to open it up you asked me who my favorite Marvel character was and um yeah cuz mine is the Wolverine is Logan yeah I yeah. I think I said the Vision um yeah you didn't and I still love him but I think I'm going to have to change my answer to Doctor Strange. I think he is just so cool and so like sleek and badass and handsome. Yeah. He's better in this movie I, than he
0: is in Doctor Strange. And I love Doctor Strange. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The movie's amazing. I remember we went and saw that movie in IMAX. Yeah, And I mean, like, aside from the fact that my head started hurting, <laughs> uh, it was, that was incredible. I mean, it was a great movie. Yeah. And he's, a, he's a great character. But this movie just is just wild. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when it comes to his influence on the film and the fact that, you know, He's the one that is able through his powers to tell the audience, like, okay, we, there is a plan. Like it, it looks bleak, but if you really think about it, like he, he handed that stone over because this is the only way, you know? Yeah. We should also talk about everybody's like new favorite character to hate. Oh my God. Peter Quill. I was so mad at him Mm. at the beginning, but I also saw an interview where the Russo brothers said. Something to the effect of like, these are not perfect characters. They make terrible mistakes. Thor also made a terrible mistake by not just going in and cutting off Thanos's head or cutting off his hand. He dug that axe into him and said, "I told you, you were gonna you you would die for that." You know, he wanted to have that smug end. He wanted to have that power over Thanos and be like, "I told you, you were gonna lose," and. I think that, like, after everything that Peter Quill had been through, after everything that, you know, he'd lost, now having just lost, like, the only thing that really mattered to him, he just, he was temperamental. And, I mean, you remember how he reacted when he found out that his dad killed his mom in Guardians of the Galaxy 2? He just unloads his guns on him to the point where, uh, Kurt Russell's, like, face is almost gone. Mm. Like, it's completely gone. If Kurt Russell wasn't, like, a god, then... (laughs) He'd be in trouble. It wouldn't... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sure, he made a mistake, and it did wind up costing them, but I I like the idea of allowing these characters to be flawed and have redemption. I mean, who knows? He could wind up really being an asset later. I mean, if they undust his ass, which I'm sure they will, (laughs) they have to know that they made a lot of people dislike him. So I'm sure they'll give him some sort of redemption at some point. Yeah, but if they're not going to redeem him, like, his ass could just stay dusted. I, I don't really care. Take three. Okay, so I have not edited take two yet, but we're going to keep it rolling with take three. If we talk about something, if we reference, like, hey, we talked about this in take two. Again, uh,
1: maybe, we, maybe we didn't. I honestly don't remember what we said in take two. So (laughs) here we go. (laughs) Oh
0: God. Okay. So I know that you had mentioned that the majority of people who care enough about Infinity War to listen to a podcast about it probably at least have a decent enough understanding of the universe and the characters within it. So a breakdown of that doesn't necessarily seem necessary to me at least. Especially when a ton of the Easter eggs in it are probably going to wind up being spoilers for Endgame. Like things that I've noticed particularly that I'm like, oh, hey, maybe that will lead to this. Or maybe that means this. Those questions could be answered in the movie next week. And I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. So That makes sense. I will say that the MCU Infinity War storyline, which is basically led all the way back to the post-credit scene in... Avengers, when you first see Thanos. The whole thing draws inspiration from Jim Starlin's 1991 Infinity Gauntlet comic and Jonathan Hickman's 2013 Infinity comic. Uh, now, I know that I recapped the comic storyline for our Logan episode, but these things are pretty lengthy. There's at least six issues each, and So I'm not going to take an hour and a half to explain it all. But um, I will say that they are both really well regarded and present a different enough storyline from the movies that they are still worth reading, even if you have seen this. Which I hope you have, obviously, because again, we're spoiling Infinity War. I feel
1: like we spoiled it in take one. I mean, we haven't had any complaints about spoilers, but you should go into this podcast, any episode, knowing that it's going to have spoilers. Yeah. So this movie is not... One of the typical movies that we review, it was difficult to research in, in the way that I normally research for these movies. So I have more discussion questions that I would love to bring up because I am I feel like I am the average, the quote unquote average movie goer. I'm not someone who's super ingrained into the MCU, um, but I feel like you are. Yeah. In my
0: research, I sort of would see things and I'm like, oh, oh well... <laughs> Everybody knows that and it's like probably everybody doesn't know that. You know, I'm kind of in that that nerd bubble who people who have seen each of these movies millions of
1: times and is obsessed with them and you know. So I'm um, hopefully maybe this episode we can appeal to different audiences. Maybe the average moviegoers can learn a thing or two just like me and maybe the more dedicated MCU fans can relate and be like, "Oh yeah, that's I knew that." And yeah. You guys are great and we love you so much. And you're so gorgeous, both of you. (laughs) You have sexy voices. (laughs) Anyway, um, do you want me to just jump into my discussion? I I, want you to jump into the deep end. No swimmies. Anyway, (laughs) Um, I have a question What is Thanos?
0: So, okay, I'll give you the lowdown of what I know at least. So there are these people called the Celestials, and they have been around for like ever. They're like the oldest uh, entities in in the universe, right? And um, then there's this offshoot of evolution uh, known as the Eternals, and they, uh, I guess with some prodding from the Celestials, created sentient life on earth and the idea was that they would be there to protect it however the eternals have a counterpart that are like bad guys and they are the deviants and the deviants and the eternals were at war because i guess they wanted to destroy versus you know create and defend and all that shit um and what thanos is is a hybrid of eternals and deviants okay that's at least what I know about Thanos.
1: I feel like we didn't really get a lot of background with Thanos. He was introduced you said Avengers One. Yeah. I have trouble keeping track of which uh end credits yeah, go with which movie. I agree.
0: It is hard. And you're right. Like it seems almost that they didn't necessarily have a full idea of what they were gonna do with Thanos until much closer to when they were actually making the movie or making this movie. And the reason I say that is Because at the end of Avengers 1, he says um, something about courting death. And then he looks at the camera and smiles, right? And people were like, who the hell is that? What is he talking about? And basically when we all went and researched who the hell this was and why he's smiling at the idea of courting death, it's because in the comic books, there
1: is a character called Lady Death. She probably has a cooler name, but basically – I what? don't remember much of Take Two, but I'm pretty sure we went over this in Take Two. Did I? Okay. I think so. Well bas- think so. yeah, just basically like clearly they they scratched that storyline and it's right. not mentioned at all. And Do you think there's a possibility that Lady Death will be in No endgame you don't think at all probably not that's i mean it's sort of
0: dumb and it seems sort of like <laughs> it seems sort of like you know a, a good way to streamline it would just be that he's been through it you know he had his whole world basically fall to
1: ruin and now he's determined to fix it it gives him more depth yeah and i guess more relatability like Absolutely. i feel like people can sympathize with him more and i feel like if it was to to court some woman it would be less impactful exactly i would, think you're right
0: yeah especially following killmonger who everybody i feel like i talked about this too but again it could all be it could all disappear because i um may have have to have cut it out of <laughs> take two but basically these villains with these super relatable goals versus like being a mustache twirler and oh just yeah, wanting yeah. A supreme power you know it's a lot it's a lot more relatable and i think it it makes
1: for a better fleshed out villain I would agree. This is something that you brought up to me, and I never heard this before and never even really considered it until you brought it up, but um, the Marvel movies tend to make their villains carbon copies of the heroes. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: I I think I probably started noticing this around the time Ant-Man had come out the first Ant-Man and I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's the guy with the same suit. And then I was like, shit, you know, Iron Man fights the Iron Monger and he's mm-hmm. in another, you know, basically Iron Man suit. Thor fights Loki. He's another God. Like Black Panther. Um, yeah. Dr. And and, Strange even. Exactly. And how I've heard it explained is uh, it's a way that they can spend more time fleshing out the heroes by basically making the or sort of be this, carbon copy of them, uh, at least power set-wise. You know what I mean? Like there's Mm -hmm. each of them. I mean, Bucky versus Cap. Like they're – rather than sort of having to set up this whole extra like, oh, this is how they got their powers and this is what they can do and stuff. And it also um, makes sure that at least in the beginning, you know, they're facing someone who they're pretty evenly matched against, you know? so That makes sense. It's nothing that I'm like – not used to now I like the road that we're on now though where it's like even if they are sort of like a carbon copy even if Killmonger does wind up in a Black Panther
1: suit you know um they still have their own like ideals and they're very well developed right they all have their own motives and character and I definitely think that that's really cool I guess what I'm comparing it to is you look at the the Batman universe and you see how many diverse yeah villains there are in that universe it leaves something to be desired with with these movies because in the the villains in in Batman are pretty much like they're superheroes themselves. Like you look at, I think I'm thinking of poison Ivy and you know, the Joker. Uh, I feel like they, they could all be superheroes if their if their morals were aligned the right way, I guess. So I guess, I guess just the creativity and the kind of diversity yeah. there is attractive,
0: but Batman's always had like the best rogues gallery. Same with Spider-Man. They, they both have fantastic yeah villains and that's why I think, The Spider-Man movies, you know, we haven't dealt with. And not to say we wouldn't if they owned Venom. I'm sure that he would be fighting Venom. I mean, not they own Venom, but if they could use Venom in the MCU. But uh, that's why I think we're getting, you know, different villains with Mysterio coming up. And we had the Vulture in the last movie. Like, it's not necessarily a carbon Mm -hmm. copy. But um, some of these these superheroes don't have that great of villains, you know. These are not, or at least these weren't like the A-list Marvel characters. Like the X-Men and Spider-Man were like the shit, you know, and Fantastic Four and stuff. Like the like Iron Man and Thor and Captain America, like these weren't I mean, certainly not like uh the Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel and stuff. These were not like the big popular characters. These movies made these characters popular, you know? So Yeah, yeah. It's not like there's a huge, huge, huge pull of really great, you know, villains to to pull from. So I think I don't I don't necessarily mind it anymore. I'm really happy with the last several villains. I really liked Ghost and Ant Man and the Wasp. I know that uh, Hela didn't really have anything to do in Ragnarok, but I. Still really liked her. Um, I love Kurt Russell as Ego. I love, obviously, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. And Thanos is probably the best villain we've ever had. So Yeah, yeah. So one thing I wanted to bring up for discussion was the philosophy presented in this movie that, you know, a simple and unbiased extermination of half of every living thing in the universe would result in <laughs> prosperity, I guess, for it. Um. I went through a, like a bunch of videos and articles, and people seemed to be split on this idea, so I was thinking I would present some of the more interesting opposing arguments that I found. First off, a lot of them referenced the work of this guy named Thomas Malthus, and he wrote a book called An Essay of the Principle of Population in 1798. He wrote in that book that as food production increases... People tend to reproduce more, which then leads to overpopulation and overconsumption, which can then lead to starvation. Uh, This guy considered things like war and famine and disease to be natural ways of keeping population in check. So looking at it from that angle, it seems pretty obvious that we'd not want to outgrow our resources and end up starving. But however, according to the research, poverty rates have actually lowered as the population has increased. And productivity, prosperity, and education rates have all gone up. They make the point that today's technology has become, I guess, able to effectively sustain its resources.
1: Yeah, it's become inclusive at yeah, this yeah. current yeah.
0: population. You know, so as far as this side sees it, Earth doesn't need Thanos's help. You know, we we will be doing okay <laughs> as long as we are, um, you know, effectively utilizing our resources. And also making a discernible effort, like I think, you know, a lot of people are now, to be conservative when it comes to the environment. Conversely, I also saw that people reference the Black Death a lot. And for those of you who are history buffs, the Black Death was a pandemic in Europe in the late 1340s and early 50s, and it killed an estimated 130 million people in Europe. Cutting its population down at least by a third. And apparently, what had happened through that was the survivors experienced a wage increase of nearly 40% in the following years. And the cost of housing fell dr- drastically because of the lack of demand. You know, suddenly you have a lot less people. So, because those people were able to use that extra space no longer, needed for housing for like farming and ranching productivity raised exponentially and the food cost fell so it was actually pretty beneficial for those who survived it
1: back then you know yeah yeah in the words of our lord and savior dwight Schrute, we need a new plague (laughs) is that what you're saying i mean the idea like it sort of it kind of would make
0: sense you know and when you think about there are countries with reproduction laws and that probably wouldn't continue they probably loosen up on those sort of,
1: sort of things so i mean i guess it all comes down to your moral yeah. compass like it's innocent lives that are paying for this this in, exactly. immense luxury exactly. and, and it's
0: funny cuz it's like almost everyone that I read and watched to share the same conclusion, which is, you know, that saving the galaxy isn't as simple as, or at least for earth, you know, by snapping a finger. Yeah. And we'd most likely get ourselves right back into this jam. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Just the more I think about it, like, because you can't guarantee like who's going to die and who's going to live. I mean, who's to say you wipe out all the doctors on the planet. You know what I mean,
1: it, it, yeah. That is a possibility. Like if we're talking about statistics here, that is very, very much possible. <laughs> I mean, it surely like it is very improbable that all six of the
0: original Avengers lived. But uh, you know, yeah, I think it's
1: yeah, we see, we see <laughs> it's, you, Marvel. It's
0: pretty uh, probable that
1: a lot mm. of doctors would die, a lot of firemen, a lot of people that like are really like I'd love to know. Uh, if there's like this small industry that kind of keeps everything running, if all the people in that industry died, then like, how are the economics going to change? How are the, it just, it would be an interesting thing to study. Like how the earth would be different.
0: Yeah. You see what happens when we have any sort of like natural disaster things. People start looting. There's, there's crazy crime oh, and, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, it would be a mess for a very long time. Like, I have no doubt in mankind's resiliency to at least survive to a degree, even if we have to start over from square one. But, like, I mean, it would suck. Like, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. And, pl- I mean, think about like just the survivor's guilt, you know, of people who had people just you know, yeah. disappear. Yeah,
1: that is very much a real thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could talk about this for a while. I have a question that I feel like you will be able to answer. This has been something that's been in the back of my head for like the start of this whole Marvel universe. What is the strongest power in the MCU? Like if you put Thor's hammer and uh, Cap's shield and Wolverine's claws and all of these superpowers together... And sort of like a March Madness setup. <laughs> like, what would be the champion? Like, what would win? The Infinity Gauntlet
0: with the six stones in it is obviously the thing that makes you the most powerful, being in the universe. However, I am of the belief that when you bring back Captain Marvel into the fold, I think she is the most powerful thing in the...
1: Why, though? Uh,
0: Because Kevin Feige said that.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, they really didn't offer as much in her movie to tell us that she had any kind of i mean she has extraordinary power but nothing i don't think more than any of these other avengers but if you say that kevin feige has told us that then i in kevin feige we trust (laughs) yeah kevin feige is
0: the president of marvel and he is amazing i i believe what he's saying i mean he you know i think dano says something to look forward to i think (laughs) I think she's
1: going to kick his ass, I hope. Yeah, that kind of moves me into the next topic. I feel like all of our expectations are moving toward the idea that we are going to see these dissolved heroes again. I think that's the general consensus. Yeah, just like how, because I've got to get some of them back at least, right? And so I, but I feel like any time we're faced with something like that, be it in a TV show finale or something, like when when you're kind of hoping that this one problem will be resolved they kind of take it in a different direction that maybe it's a compromise between what you want and don't want. And I yeah. wonder if you have any speculative predictions of how they might turn this well, story, like maybe not just give us all of the the characters that dissolved, but like, I'm, I, I'm, I have no idea how this is going to go. Is there any kind of insight that you have?
0: Yes. I mean, I, I have a lot of speculation and a lot of things that I know that again are probably like, spoilers <laughs> and it's true. just like from like behind the scenes uh footage there are things that like lead to lead you to believe that there will be an element of um there'll be different i got i can't even say it that's killing me yeah. oh man in a week you guys are gonna like i mean it's not like i know everything but like there's like aspects of this movie that i don't think that they've advertised and you would only really know it if you've seen like behind the scenes like set photos and things like that okay so
1: okay 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 as someone who has avoided all posters all trailers why are you snooping and digging around the dark no, web to try this and find should happen, stuff for- this should happen like while they were shooting, like, last year, right
0: after this, or, like, this stuff get, got released online, and you know how, like, you know how much I'm into it. As much as... I mean, it, I don't feel like it ruined anything for me, but I would imagine that, you know, people wouldn't necessarily want to know that this is what they're going to do, but... just from seems what, very
1: off-brand for you, as
0: all. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm speculating is, is that, yes, there will be a compromise, because I think that, you know, we will get... We will get people back, but then I also think we will lose people that necessarily – I don't know who they are. Um, And the thing that I'm talking about, the thing that you know has been pointed out by set photos and stuff isn't a ginormous spoiler. I'm sure it will be presented pretty early in the film, but it is a means to an end. It is a way that I think that they could tie this up, and it's not – my favorite way god man i can't wait to talk
1: about (laughs) endgame we're oh my god i'm coming up with a new segment and i like to call it should they stay or should they go and i want to talk about who you think is (laughs) (laughs) i want to know who you think is with your background in the mcu i want to know who do you think is important to keep and who is sort of like ready to be concluded and i have a list of like the major okay um, let's do it yeah so maybe like a like a quick um, and I, again i don't know anything this is just a speculation <laughs> jesus <laughs> well because i know that you've told me um like i feel like thor we brought up thor and you're like yeah. well he's had three movies now like every these people these characters who have had their three movies like maybe their time is up and i just feel like you have more insight than i would but um can we start with Thor because yeah, sure. Oh, I wouldn't kill Thor. Um,
0: I think that he has such a good chemistry with the Guardians. There is a comic book, and I don't exactly know too much about it, but I know that there is a story called the Asgardians of the Galaxy, and I think that like that would be such. Oh, it was shit. such an. I loved his storyline in this movie, and I loved his chemistry with the Guardians. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them sort of meld in some way after the Guardians. Like I would bring Thor back like sparingly in maybe other people's movies and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, Ragnarok just breathed such new life into him that I love this new Thor so much. I would vote to keep him above everybody else, honestly. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, even Iron Man? Um, yeah, I'm going to bawl my eyes out, but I think Iron Man and Cap have sort of finished their – Stories. I don't. I don't know if they will. I could definitely see reasons to keep them both in some capacity, but um, I can also say you know their deaths would emotionally hit people. Like you can make arguments that an Iron Man death would really affect Spider Man, and that would really sort of put some heft on his storyline. True. Um, And then a Captain America death would then be able. You'd be able to introduce. Fuck. Can I even say that? Like what shit there there's there are other people that take up the captain america mantle and they're actually established characters in these movies i feel like at this point anything could happen
1: there could be yeah another iron man there could be absolutely i mean there is another iron man there is another thor i feel like yeah anything could happen and you. i feel like you don't know anything for certain so no no for sure ant-man ah uh, i mean certainly he's not gotten
0: his trilogy yet but those movies don't make much money. I don't. I don't know. Like, <laughs> they're
1: really they're not my favorite Marvel movies. I really they're yeah they're a little either. too silly I mean, for me.
0: I think they're good. I enjoyed them both, but they're certainly not at the top for me. Um, a Scott Lang death would, I mean, and, you know, an Ant Man death wouldn't necessarily like be like make oh, the biggest ripple. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't see the point.
1: Like in my opinion, you only really should kill people that like it would sting to kill. You it know? would, yeah, it would have an impact. It would, it would be meaningful. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And that's, I think part of the reason I bring this up is because I think, I feel like I almost don't want Gamora to come back. I, I'm you not know, sure right? I want Loki to come back because they were, they were such impactful deaths. Yeah. That like I, I feel like it, it, they've concluded. It makes me sad. It, like it, it's devastating because Gamora was one of the best, if not the best character in this movie. But um, I think you're right. I think the, the the conclusion of these characters needs to be done correctly.
0: Yeah, um, I mean uh, Gamora definitely was the the female lead of this film, and she's incredible. And I think Zoe Saldana has always done her a great done a great job playing her, but I think this is the first movie that she's ever really had a chance to shine, even though, you know, it it may be her last. I I just don't want the people that come back, I don't want it to all be undone and for it to feel as if, you know, nothing happened. really yeah. ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it for it to not have any sort of like resonance. Because yeah. that would sort of make me feel like we just got bait and switched, you know where we just got tricked like uh, i had to feel the emotion or whatever but we're not going to stick with that and i can't imagine them doing that but i don't think
1: they will either and like i said before a lot of times when you have super super huge conclusions for example game of thrones so like there is going to be tons and tons of things that we are not going to expect in this new season which yeah. is coming up tomorrow and i feel like good storytelling Kind of does a good compromise with conclusions, and I I would agree with you. I I don't necessarily know what the people in in game are going to go through, but like I'm sure it'll
0: be hard. So it doesn't necessarily make sense for everybody to make it through it, you know. Right, right. Um, and that's good because you don't want people to have plot armor. You don't want people to be like, "I need you for another movie." And I understand that we do we do have to continue our big billion dollar franchises, but like the idea of making everybody safe because we don't want to risk anybody. We don't want to risk any of their merchandising rights, you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, we can't make, um, black Panther toys anymore. How, you know, what are we going to do? Like, (laughs) like, so I, I understand that, but I also just want it to seem realistic. And in a infinity war in a war, um, you know, people die in these movies. and, And that's what, like, that's why this is the most, painful one is because you know
1: the death on such a uh, massive scale massive yeah. scale yeah i think that kind of answers the questions for the rest of them honestly oh well cool good deal then i have one final question and i have several comics that admittedly i have yet to get to um and you yeah. know this about me and i sincerely apologize i that. bought them for you i know but um i actually took them out and um have them close by So that it's kind of like a reminder that I need to get to them. But are there any Marvel comic book characters that aren't in the movies or don't have their own movie that you would love to see portrayed in a movie? Yes. Because I have a few. Oh, okay. You go first then. Mine are, um, there's a comic book called Slapstick. And as far as I know, it's about this sort of the mask Esque character like this cartoony character where a hammer will fit in his pocket and you know a bunch of cartoon stuff happens but it's all in the real world is that does that sound familiar doing anything about that i feel like i've heard of that maybe not though he just it seems that seems like a hysterical movie that seems like a really funny movie yeah i mean i i don't necessarily know how that would like play into the mcu but I think it would be funny. I would love to see them take that risk. I don't think they ever will, but it would be fun to take that risk. And another one is Moon Knight, and I feel like you know. A oh my lot god! About Moon I was
0: Knight. Moon Knight was the first person on my list.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about him. What's he about? I know yeah. nothing about him, but the cover of the comic that I own of him is cool. So
0: Moon Knight' his real name is Mark Specter, and he is this. He was like a boxer, and then a marine, and then and he was like a mercenary, and he was going. They were like. They were basically, I think it was like in Egypt, uh, on like this archaeological dig, and this guy was like uh, attempting to sort of loot the stuff they had found, these relics that were like altars to this moon god. I can't even pronounce the guy, the moon god's name, but basically, Mark Specter's like, "Hey, don't do that," you know, and the guy like beats him up and leaves him there overnight. To sort of die in the desert. So then, these these people come in that like worship the moon god and like take him, I guess, to safety. And the guy, the moon god, like talks to him, and he's like, "Hey, you can you can live, you can have like a second chance if you become sort of like my avatar on Earth." And so um, cool. And basically, he, there's a lot of comparisons to Batman. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's like you know, really good at like martial arts and he's a detective of sorts, but what's cool about him is he derives like super strength from the phases of the moon. That's cool. Yeah. So it's just, it would be something a little bit darker. I, we always were sort of pushing for it um, in the Marvel nights, like the Netflix shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But all of those are gone. So uh, <laughs> I sort of just wanted to wrap this up and talk about for a moment of how wonderful it is that a franchise with so many moving parts can set up a storyline where the vast majority of the movies play a pivotal role in setting it up. I mean, not to mention that each of these movies, you know, in one way or another set up the characters within it, you know, but like even the infinity stones, I mean, Captain America, first Avenger, as far back as that, we have the space stone and, Thor, the Dark World, you have the Reality Stone. Guardians, you have the Power Stone. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone. And the first Avengers has the Mind Stone. Like, these movies are a ways back, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're setting this up for so long. And I mean, I think it really does a great job of utilizing where Cap, Tony, and Thor are in their storylines, too. Because, like, without Winter Soldier and Civil War and Ragnarok, none of their arcs would really have any emotional resonance to them. Where they're at, they're all so broken apart. You know, and 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 they do that obviously so that they're not this united force that can fight Thanos. But I I really do appreciate that they didn't just try to set this movie. This movie is not a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's sort of just like a middle. The beginning is all those other movies. Oh yeah, good point. Infinity War is a middle, Mm -hmm. and then hopefully Endgame will be, you know, somewhat of an end for some for some of these storylines, you know, it's in
1: the title. I can only assume that, that I would, would hope the case so. so. <laughs> yeah.
0: And while people clamor for studios nowadays to take risks and tell a standalone story that isn't saddled with having to align with all these other movies, I think that telling a story that really only lives up to its full potential. When you watch all 19 of these movies, it's pretty risky and brave. In my opinion, you know, I mean, and this was the ninth, 19- one of these, and I just
1: well, clearly it's working. I feel like yeah. every single one of these movies it has huge, huge opening weekends. Like I feel like, oh my god, they knew this was gonna work, and I definitely did. Yeah, the MCU is my favorite movie franchise
0: of all time. Seventeen directors across twenty-one movies, with two more on the way this year: Endgame and Spider-Man: Far From Home. Telling a unified, thrilling, and beautiful story. I am literally like at risk of sounding too dramatic. I am in awe of this thing, you know. <laughs> and you know what is so great about this universe? What? It has made over eighteen and a half billion dollars. So it is not
1: going anywhere. No. Nope. It 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 truly is nothing short of revolutionary. It really is. It's changed the industry. I think.
0: Yeah yeah and that I think that was the biggest deciding factor for when we were talking about doing this. This isn't just another superhero movie. this is a representation of the biggest superhero undertaking that's ever happened. I mean, a movie undertaking there's no franchise this big that's attempted to do right you know what these people have done, and they're doing it, and it's successful and it's just it's working. I'm blown yeah, away. Yeah. I'm blown yeah. away, and I cannot wait. When this episode premieres, we'll have one week till endgame, and I, well, I'm i going to start convulsing, I guess. Like, <laughs> I cannot wait. All right, first and foremost, does everyone have their endgame tickets? If not, what are you waiting for? Go buy them. Or uh, on second thought, listen to a couple more of our episodes and then go buy them. Okay, now for the stuff Jordan wants me to say. Hey everybody, it's Nick. I hope you all enjoyed episode 13 of Take 3, A Movie Podcast. It was produced and edited by Jordan Sato and Nick Crawford. You can follow us on all social media. Wait, no, you can and should. You should be following us on all social media at Take 3 AMP or visit our website at Take3AMP.com. You know, it's like the word take, the number three, and then the letters A-M-P. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. And if you have any movies you'd like us to feature in an episode, send your ideas to us. We are always open to new suggestions. Anyway, I probably have run out of time now. I'm probably not synced up to the music anymore. Um, so uh, I just want to say thank you guys for supporting us. Um, happy listening.